As your farm grows from a sole proprietorship to having many employees, it's time to start thinking about writing down your farm's policies and procedures. This is where an employee handbook comes in. I'm your host, Amber Roberts, and in this special edition of Becoming a Great Farm Supervisor podcast, we'll be talking all about employee handbooks. I'll be joined by my colleague, Nathan Halinski, who will share with us why employee handbooks are important, how they can help legally protect you, and will provide some guidance on how to begin writing an employee handbook for your farm. Hi, Nathan. I am Nathan Halinski. I'm with the University of Minnesota Extension. I have been with the University of Minnesota Extension for five years now. I do talks just like this here today. We do a lot of in-person talks, but with COVID here, we've been doing a lot of virtual webinars the last year and a half. I do a lot of topics on labor management, employee management like this here today. I do a lot of talks on land rent, financial management, farm transfer, egg taxation. So we cover a wide variety of educational topics and we try to be real timely with them. Today's discussion is going to focus on employee handbook. Now, what is it? So they're going to be good for the business. They're going to be good for the employer and the employee. With this handbook, we can communicate the business culture. What is that? Place to share the vision. You should write that down. Where do we put it? The employee handbook is one of the places to put it. So it's going to improve, you know, the employee engagement, conveys the farm's commitment to employees, provides clarity and ensures all employees are treated fairly, allows for collaboration on policy. It it allows for all of these things. This way, if your employee has a simple question, they can go to the employee handbook to get this question answered instead of asking you. They don't need to ask you some of these really simple questions. What's your sick day policy? What's your vacation policies? Things like that can be put in here. What all goes into the employee handbook of this business vision and business culture? We talked about that, you know, pretty extensively. Expectations of employees. What time do they start? How long is their shift? Are they expected to show up at six o'clock? And milk cows, you know, till whenever that's done and feed the animals right away and they have an eight-hour shift? Do they have a 10-hour shift? You know, what, what's going on with their job duties? Obligations of the employer. What is their pay rate? You know, what types of benefits are they getting? And then what are their employee rights? Well, there are legally employees do have some rights. Those are available from... Uh, some government agency. The employee handbook can also help mitigate some risk. Not everything needs a policy. We'll talk about that next year, but animal handling and welfare. Sexual harassment, that's kind of in the news a lot lately with some of these really high um, impact cases of some of these sexual harassment or some of these kind of famous people, famous companies that have issues with that. News acres the last few years, some actors, actresses, and recruitment agencies that are not always using proper strategies, proper techniques in in hiring and in in recruitment. We want to make sure that on our farms, we're following the rules. And with this employee handbook, we can write down some of these things. 
the Department of Labor, they do have some federal state requirements. So bear that in mind. Another thing here, an employee handbook is not just a book of, of policies. So you can, if you really have a lot of policies, we can have a separate policy manual or put that in the employee handbook as an appendix at the back, the employee handbook, the vision, the culture, the farm history, right? Everyone, you know, if you want to go talk to a farmer about how the farm started, you know, oh, my grandpa started this in 1896 was the first farm in Stearns County. But people usually like to talk about their farm history. Why not write up a par couple paragraphs that's in this employee handbook, explain and have a picture of the, the farm as it's changed over the years. How, you know, grandpa, great grandpa was milking 10 cows by hand and now we milk 400. How we have changed. You know, people like to talk about that. Career development. Are there opportunities for advancement or if they come in to milk cows, they're milking cows the rest of their life. You know, is there room for them to move up the ladder, become a herdsman or, or something like that? Feedback processes. What is the proper channels to go through that? If you want to do a, a separate policy manual, that is all right. We'll talk about that a little bit here. A policy and a procedure. A policy, that's going to be a guiding principle used to set a direction in the organization. And we'll have some examples here, hopefully to help make this clear. A procedure, you know, is a series of steps to be followed as a consistent and repetitive approach to accomplish a result. So if you want someone milking cows, you probably want this procedure, a standard operating procedure about what's the proper way to bring in the cows into the parlor, prep the cows, attach the units, things like that. You don't need a policy for that, but that's a procedure. Some quick guidelines, you know, the policies, they have widespread applications. The procedure is really going to be narrow, focused. How do you milk a cow? What is the proper steps on that? The policy, you know, non-negotiable change in frequently. Whereas, you know, the procedures, you know, they're subject to change, continuous improvement. As you improved your milking equipment, or, or just got new equipment, we need to improve, change the procedure. Policies are a little more broad, procedures pretty detailed, specific. You know, the policy is gonna, gonna be a statement of what or why, and then the procedure is gonna be how, how you do something, when you do it, who does it, and then what are you doing? So the policy is gonna answer a major operational issue where the procedure is going to detail a process, the difference between the two. Again, we want to also highlight this employee handbook is not going to be a substitute for meetings or interactions. Just having this handbook doesn't mean you're not going to have any questions ever or that you don't need to talk with them or provide them feedback. You still need to allow your feedback, your employees to know what they're doing is right or wrong, being there to answer questions as they go along. You still want to review uh, some of these changes or updates to your employee handbook. But, you know, a lot of times in the farming world, they're going to learn from hands-on training and reading a book isn't necessarily going to teach them how to do their job. Providing both of these is important for their role. What sections should we consider including in an employee handbook? 
And, you know, there's a wide variety of possible sections for this handbook. Here is a real quick overview. You want to have some business knowledge. Welcome from the owners of Brief History of the Farm, the farm vision, culture, organizational chart. You know, who's the boss? Who, who owns it? You know, how many family members are involved? Whatever the case is. And putting an index like this in the employee handbook is a good idea as well. You can see there's some learning development, like what is your onboarding process? You know, how long are you training people? You know, what about this continual development, career opportunities? Some of those policies that we talked about, you know, feedback processes, employee compensation, employee work policies, how to organize that handbook. We just talked about, I have some examples I'll share with the group. Look at those and tailor it, right? Tailor it to your farm and do take some time here. We don't want you to spend an hour about this and, and forget about it. You know, take your time, do part of it, come back in a week, see what you like about it and, and, and things to improve upon it. Again, update as, as needed and then keep it simple. We don't need this to be you know, 45,000 pages and too much to understand or no one's going to take the time to read the whole thing. Keep it simple. Bear in mind, you want your employees to read this. So make sure that you're comfortable reading it as well and not making it too technical sounding or too long to read. Who is this? Handbook intended for different categories may be needed if you have really a lot of different types of employees. You know, maybe you have part-time labor. They don't need the full extent of it for your full-time labor. Same with, you know, maybe you have some seasonal labor and you're a fruit farm and you really only hire during harvest. Well, that's fine, but they probably don't need as much detail as you would need for full-time labor. You know, they probably understand there's not a whole lot of, you know, health benefits and health insurance or other benefits coming with the job if it's a seasonal part-time deal. Explaining that's going to be good. Again, English as a second language, you want to keep that in mind and making sure that if you do have some non-native English speakers to have it in their language, let's say Spanish, or keeping a really simple language to help them understand what is expected of them. Use simple language, positive wording, right? There's different words you can use in the same sentence that puts a different, you know, positive or negative spin on it. Use positive words, positive language. Give reasons for your policies. Maybe you have a no cell phone in the parlor policy. And maybe say, hey, in the past, we have had a lot of issues with people playing on the phone and the cow's not behaving. Whatever the reason is, but putting some reasons down is gonna help people better understand why that policy needs to be followed, why it's important, why is it a policy? Again, write to your employees. They're the ones reading this. Drafting, writing your handbook, write a first draft, set aside, read and revise. A very important step here is having the leadership team and key employees review the draft. 
Maybe it's your spouse who you farm with. Maybe it's the kids you're farming with. Maybe it's your herdsman, another higher level, non-entry level employee. Having them review, have them, you know, make changes, update whatever needs to be updated. Do you, you know, seek the legal review? This is not 100% mandatory, but you do want to be careful with some of the wording with, in terms of employment. We talked about the Department of Labor has different things that are, are, are mandatory. So the legal review is probably a good idea to ha have someone glance through and make sure there's not something odd about it. It might not be anything that you would think would be out of bounds, but just having someone review it who understands some of the the legalities behind it. Review it, retype it, update it after that. You do want to have kind of a cover sheet and then a table of contacts. Final check, you know, review by your close advisors and then have your employees read through it once you get it completed. Update down the road when needed. This is the circle of life in terms of our employee handbook. We do want to talk about, real briefly, about job descriptions. You know, these are very crucial for clarity for what people are supposed to be doing, but this is very relevant when hiring. We talked about hiring last week, but then performance management. These can be in the employee handbook about what is expected of them. Maybe each person is going to be a little bit different, but having people know what is their performance management? What's expected of them? It should be continuously updated. We're saying it uh, at least annually, and then usually limited to one page. Don't have this a, a 10 page document. Again, we want to have it so people are comfortable reading through it. Other managers as well, I want to highlight here as you, as the employer, having a job description for you. You know, what are you doing on a daily basis? I'm not saying you don't do anything, but have you cognizant, you know, write down what you, what are your responsibilities? I think is a very good idea. The focus should be on the responsibilities to be fulfilled. You are supposed to be, again, I'm going to be defaulting to milking cows. So bear with me with that. But, you know, you're responsible for bringing the cows into the parlor, for prepping the cows, for doing the actual milking, any post dip, whatever. You know, what about the, the milk room after you're done milking all the cows? You need to put in the proper wash cycle. But putting down what each role is for that individual, for that role, for that, you know, dairy milker job description. Again, not more than two to three major responsibilities with sub duties listed below. Some of these responsibilities, they can be overlooked. We want to put down team roles, personal growth, professional development, you know, just think on what those go into for the job description. I do want to highlight for managers on the farm, for owners, for the employee, for the employers, having a job description for them. You know, having them write down, you know, this is what I think are my responsibilities, you know, and maybe have the husband and wife are farming together with a couple of employees. What do they think the other one should be doing? But having them write job descriptions and compare it and say, hey, this is what I think you should be doing. You know, you're doing the book work. You know, you're doing the overseeing of the, the crops, whatever that is. But 
having the job description for the employers is a good idea, good strategy to make sure everyone's on the same page. This way it can help you point out discrepancies between what you think you're in charge of versus what they think you're in charge of. One thing I'll add to that, Nathan, that you started to touch on is not just with spouses, but with children that are returning to the farm. This is a great thing to use. Often we think, oh, you know, my daughter's coming back to our dairy farm. She'll know what to do. She's going to take over one day. But when we write those job descriptions down and give them to our children that might be returning, it can help them to get a better sense of, is this really where I want to be employed? Is this really what I want to do? And also provide some responsibility on both ends so that you as the parent are making sure that they're doing what you need them to do on the farm. And so that your child can also say, hey, here's what my current roles are. Here are the new roles I've taken on over this last year. I think it's time that maybe we change some of those responsibilities or my title to better match. No, that's a great thing to point out there, Amber, about, you know, the incoming generation, the kids, again, nephews, nieces, whatever it is, the people coming into the farm, maybe growing up, they milk cows when they're in high school. But as they come back, is that what they still expect to be doing? You know, what do you want your, your children or others to be doing? I think job descriptions for everyone is a good idea. Here's a real quick sample one, name, job title, who is their supervisor, you know, position summary, and then those responsibilities. You know, new and increased responsibilities. Thanks, Nathan. Employee handbooks are more than just a book of policies. They also can include the farm's vision, history, standard operating procedures, and can serve as a guideline for your farm. 